Buongiorno and welcome to the Elisa Longo-Borghini episode of Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. Now, as well as being a Cure fan, she's an Olympic medalist, picking up bronze in the road race at the Rio Games in 2016. She's also Italian national champion. Actually, this is the second time she's been national champion, who wears a Maglia Tricolore with intense pride. What films, though, make her cry? What would her perfect parkour consist of? Would you rather do a skydive or a bungee jump? These are the questions you never knew you needed the answer to. And I've got them all packed into the next hour of Hot Pod Action, or HPA. Strap yourself in, fasten your seatbelts for the Longo Borghini Super Podcast. Did that sound like Lamborghini to you? Did it work? No. Oh, hello and welcome. Are you ready? Because it's that time again. Matt Stevenson unplugged by Sigmas Bones. Elisa Longoborghini is one of the most powerful women in the peloton. She's a strong all-rounder who is really suited to a long day in the saddle and currently holds the Italian national road race and time trial titles. With her trick Sigafredo teammates, she feels a really strong connection and is racing superbly so far this season. And if you're listening to this in 2023, we're talking about 2021, two whole years ago. In our chat, we cover everything from her childhood obsession with the Giro d'Italia to her responsibilities as an athlete entertain in a time when people need distractions more than ever. Check it out. Well, Elisa, thank you so, so much for joining us. It's uh, very kind of you. You've had a, a very busy season so far. But uh, the first thing I'd like you to do, if it's okay for our listeners, could you tell me where you are in the world and what you can see immediately around you as well in your location? Um, so I'm at home um, in my own apartment and I can see straight in front of me my window with my curtain. Then next there is my Italian uh, national team jersey uh, with my world championship number framed. And nice. then I have on my... Right side, a, a picture uh, with a cup of coffee. Okay. And then there is my, yeah, uh, there is my, oh, I don't know how to explain it. Um, you know, those old, um, like, CD players, but it's, oh. they are not CDs, but the big discs. Oh, uh, a record, an old record player, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a very old record player. Yeah, with a um, with a disc of the Cure. On. Oh, wonderful! And then my sofa. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a big Cure fan. I like the Cure. Yeah, I really like them. Have you Have you seen the Cure uh, live in concert? No, actually, no. I'm very sorry for that, and I I have to admit that beside any like very small local group that I that I could follow. Uh, I've never been to a real big concert in my life. That's something maybe when you've finished your career, you should maybe go and do. I, I'd never see, I really love The Cure. Um, and I went to see them uh, in 2019 in Helsinki uh, in wow. Finland. Yeah. And they played, get this, for two and a half hours. That's really nice. Uh, yeah. It, it, I'm it was... a little bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, again, when we were flying home, they were on the seats on the aeroplane in front of us. 
<laughs> that's really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, and so let, let, let's talk let, a little bit less about the cure and a, a bit more about yourself. Where in the world are you? Are you at home um, in, in uh, Ornavaso? Yes, I'm at home in Ornavaso, um, which is a very small uh, town in, uh, in Piedmont, the region of Piedmont, northern uh, Italy, next to Switzerland. It's a beautiful area. It's uh, I'm 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 off to the Giro d'Italia next week to commentate, and I'm very 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 excited. Every time I go to Italy, it's just just beautiful. Um, I mean, it must be wonderful to wake up and look at the countryside because I've obviously I don't know if I've actually been to Ornavasso before, but I know the region, and it's just stunning, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, absolutely, you haven't been to Ornavasso because it's a yeah, it's a very small town in this remote area of Piedmont. So surely you haven't been, but uh, but you will be commentating probably, uh, or like you will be at Giro and you will be in Verbania, which is really close by. It's a ah. 15k from where I live. And uh, uh, one of the last stages of the Giro is starting here. Wonderful. Oh, so well, I yeah. might, if, if you're around, I don't know if you'll be racing or not, but I shall pop in and maybe grab a coffee. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think um, maybe I'll be just leaving that day for altitude training, but uh uh, I'm trying to like leave in the afternoon uh, and watching to the to the start of the Giro because it's really close to my house and I always train there and I yeah I really like uh, I really like the area I really like the yeah the fact that the Giro is in my home in my home area so uh, I'll be probably at the start. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Well, anyway, we'll we'll look forward to that in a few weeks' time. But uh, yeah. well, f- first things first. Um, you, you've got to be so happy with the way that your 2021 season has gone. I mean, the last couple of years, you, the level that you've been riding at has been incredible. We know, although 2020 for everybody was a very difficult season, you had one of your best years. But this year, although we're only in, what, at the end of April, your consistency, you've had a big win. The fact that you're leading the, the world, you know, the, uh, the, the world tour as well, you must be massive. You must be so happy. Yeah, uh, I'm very happy about uh, my 2021 uh, I finished my 2020 in a very good way uh, winning uh, winning the Italian championships and then uh, um, being uh, second in Madrid um, then I started pretty well in Omlop and Newsblood in 2021 and I kept going like yeah with a good consistency as you said uh, throughout March and April and now I if I look back to the the past races I cannot be like happier than this um, maybe I have some regrets about um, Amsterdam God race for instance but then uh, everyone makes mistakes and yeah in the end it's only a bike race I mean uh, it's it is what it is exactly I mean I mean it was I mean again we don't want to be super negative but uh, every single race whether you win or you lose is a learning process isn't it I mean that's the beautiful thing about cycling isn't it Yes, it is. I mean, um, there are mistakes that you can make and uh, sometimes they are more visible and sometimes they are less visible. This for sure was a very visible one. And um, But yeah, I also think that in the end, uh, if I was going to the front and keep on pushing and I was second, we will be here talking about the fact that, oh, why for the, um, again, for... Um, the thousand time you were pushing and uh, and you were working in the front and then the other got the winning the week the yeah. victory so yeah i mean 
it's a learning it's a learning curve, and I think I learned a lot in one race more than uh, in another ten. So yeah. <laughs> now <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a, it's a, no that that's a really honest and uh, it's it's nice to reflect and be honest with yourself. But no, I'm just looking back through your results this year. It's been absolutely astonishing. That wits second in Strada Bianca, of course. It's a race that you've won before. Um, I mean, it's relatively new women's race, but um, t- talk to me about Strada Bianca because that is a, it's such a special race, and I think there are, are calls from many many quarters, the fans, some of the pros, um, many commentators saying that Strada Bianca of all of the other races should almost be the sixth monument. <laughs> yeah, I I really I really agree with this, and um, because it's like a classic, and um, it's like the northern classic more to the south that i know yeah <laughs> uh, sure. as they say um and it's like they it's like a classic that is being taken away from the north like a piece of puzzle and put it into in into italy yeah uh, just throw there just through there um in an amazing landscape in uh, in an amazing city because siena is amazing Full of history, full of heart, art, and uh, yeah, I think I think it, yeah, it should be like a monument, in my opinion. Maybe we should start a petition. Um, well, maybe we'll be the first couple of signatures to, to get it elevated to a monument. But no, it really is. It really is a beautiful race. And, and what was it like to, to win to win that edition in twenty seventeen? That must have been very very special. Yeah, it was really really special. Also, the way it. Um, it was it was going like the the race was developing was really was really even strange because I had a crash in the first long sector of the um, of gravel yeah. and then uh, my teammate Audrey Cordon Rago gave me the bike and uh, I finished with her bike. Uh, yeah, and it was like really really nice to climb the Santa Caterina wall and uh, being first at the right hand corner and then like yeah. Winning the race, it was really special. I, as Italian, you know, it's it's always really really nice to win in your own country. Indeed, uh, particularly in such a nice city. I I, I didn't actually realize that you, you won on on her bike because she's uh, she's a, a t- is it, so whose bike was it again? Audrey Cordon Rago. Yeah, and she's she's now a teammate of yours, isn't she? Um, both of you in in the national championships colours. How much difference in size is there? Or was it pretty easy? There must have been not much difference at all. No, actually, Audrey and I are teammates since two thousand and fourteen. We are really good friends outside cycling, and she's always coming also here uh, to to my to my place uh, with the Rats band. And um, okay. I when I when I can. Um, well, when I actually can act, can fly to Bretagne because it's so so hard to travel to that place, yes, <laughs> I go yeah, and visit her. <laughs> it's really really hard to travel there. Um, I go and visit her, and um, yeah, we we built up a very good uh, friendship uh, outside cycling, and uh, uh, now we are sharing the same uh, pride because we are both wearing the the tricolore. And uh, back in seventeen, she was like key, like yeah, the key of my race because she gave me her bike, and I only could yeah. finish my race because she gave me gave me the bike. Yeah, that's uh, that is very very special indeed. I mean, while we're talking about how beautiful the national jerseys are, um, do you have a favorite? Because you've got Ruth Winder in your team as well, 
I mean, the Stars and Stripes, that is a very, very cool jersey. We know that uh, the French Tricolor is a beautiful jersey as well. Italians too. Which is which is your favourite? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a hard question to, to, to answer to. I mean, um, I love the French Tricolor and I think, it's really cool to wear the Stars and Stripes uh, jersey, but uh, my tricolore for me means a lot. And I always wear it uh, with, 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 with pride and with honor because, yeah, it's like wearing your flag and you are representing your, your, your country around the world and you always want to, to show that, yeah, that, that your country is good. And, yeah, I'm a proud Italian. I, I, can't, I can't lie. And <laughs> I, I really like my my country and every time that I, I can show my my flag I'm very proud to do so indeed I mean I mean one of your proudest moments quite clearly um would have been the Olympic Games in Rio when you got the bronze medal I mean okay you would have de- of course you wanted to win that race but to come away with a medal in the Olympic Games given the fact that your mother has represented Italy in cross-country skiing isn't it three times um, that must have meant obviously a lot to you, but also to your to your extended family as well. Yeah, uh, it was a very special moment for many reasons, and especially yeah, mom had to uh, withdraw from um, the ninety two Olympic Games because I yeah because I came <laughs> I came to the world, <laughs> so um, she had to give birth and uh, yeah she she was selected for the for the olympics but she she was yeah she was pregnant and she couldn't go and she she was there in rio when i got the medal and the first thing that she thought she told me was like you are giving me back the medal that i didn't get at the olympics uh when when i had you so for me it was like really nice and you know my mom is not a person that is um always giving compliments to, to okay. somebody or like not not I don't I don't know like the the few words that she's saying are really true and yeah, really okay. hearted from from her bottom of her heart yes. so this meant really a lot to me and uh, I was I was kind of emotional two years so and I was like yeah thank you mom thank you for everything because I yeah I'm, I'm just a lucky person <laughs> yeah well it's it's I, again there's there's a, there's a degree of luck in everybody's life, but you've clearly, you know, worked very very hard to get to the position that you are. And um, well, talk as we've talked about your family. I mean, talk talk to me about your earliest memories of of riding a bike in your um, in your hometown of Ornavaso. When did you first? I know you've got a very sporting family. We talked about your mum, your brother, who is kind of ten or eleven years older, was also professional. So when did you first become really interested and keen on on riding? Um, as a little girl, I always remember that for me it was normal to see my my mom exercising, and she, like my my schoolmate would have seen the parents going to work, and I would see my mom and my dad leaving home for training because my dad was a coach, and yeah. um, for me it was just normal. And uh, sport came very natural uh, for me and Paolo, uh, my brother. Um, I clearly remember the first time that I uh, used the bike. Okay. Uh, I was three years old, and um, I learned to go without the 
two wheels beside the uh, beside the, the main wheel. Yep. And I did like twenty meters, and then I crashed on the uh, on the wine yards. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. So <laughs> just really like uh, really a moment that I <laughs> yeah, it's a moment that I have in my mind. And then I also remember the very first time that I used uh, the um, shoes with the cleats. Ah, and, okay. Yeah, it was like probably March, and it was eight or nine, and uh, everything was going fine until I had to like do a U-turn and unclick. And I okay. remember that I went just down as a piece <laughs> of stone, and I was like, "Oh no! Like, how can I get up?" <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I think most of us who who ridden a bike at some point, everybody, I think, goes through that experience. It's always a bit of a painful one, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it is because you are there standing, and you don't know if you are falling down or you can unclick, and then it, all in a sudden you are on the on the floor, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> so who who did you first start riding with? Obviously, you 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 know you're nine nine years of age now. Uh, when did you discover uh, or that you were obviously pretty good at riding? Um, I started riding with dad and um, then I was also riding with, yeah, with the, with mom and Paolo. And I mean, I grew up in a very small town, so I was al- always on my bike or always running in, in the town. You know, I was really like active and, there are almost no cars here, so I was always on my bike doing playing actually with my with the with the with the kids of my age. Yeah. Um then I really wanted to to try cycling. And at first my parents didn't didn't want because I was really a small girl and they okay. were a little bit scared. Yeah. Uh but then they eventually allowed me and um yeah, uh, it was nice and uh I probably understood that I was good in uh, in cycling when I was 20. Okay. I stopped for a couple of years when I was 16 because, you know, when you're 16, you're a bit stupid and you want to, like, go around, discover the world. And um, Of course. But then I miss, I miss cycling so much. And after a year and a half, uh, I went back on riding. And, uh, yeah, when I when I first started the, yeah, the elite category uh i understood that i could be good yeah and i try asked my parents to give me three years to discover if i could really be a cyclist or not and they they said yes wonderful yeah eventually that was only just waiting for that (laughs) (laughs) so so what what was your first racing bike then what was the first proper race bike that you got can you remember wait obviously you remember which was it uh it was a, a yellow bike um it probably weighed a thousand kilos, okay. <laughs> and and I, I remember I was using um, that very famous uh, saddle that Marco Pantani was using, and I okay. was so proud of it. And um, yeah, so was it the uh, the Salitalia saddle? Yes, the, yes. the flight. Yes, oh, the yeah, oh, they were amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was it was called like this i don't rem- really remember but i clearly remember it was marco pantani's saddle and i was proud of it i was like yeah <laughs> i think with that <laughs> you know and and who when you were growing up um obviously i i know, I know that you kind of saw the giro uh, a, a few times who were the 
the sporting heroes when you were young and um, I know you were surrounded by sport in your family, but outside of your family, what athletes uh, did you look up to? I didn't have really any idols to be fair, but I was uh, a big fan of cycling and um, both female and men cycling. Mm. Um, Because I remember that I asked my dad many times to bring me to watch to the women's Giro. Um, And I remember in 2004, there was a stage finishing in my, next to my hometown and they were doing the Simplon Pass. And I remember Nicole Brandley um, in in pink. Uh, Yeah. So... Yeah, and then I was always watching the the Giro d'Italia for men's, and every every day I would stand there for hours watching to the race, and then yeah. I was watching also the post race uh, uh, discussion, and then at eight that was there was this uh, program, this emission on TV um, that was talking about the yeah the the stage of that day and the stage of the day after, and uh, for me it was like an appointment you know at eight yeah. o'clock in the evening i would be there standing in front of the television watching to that mission and uh, yeah just looking forward to the next day and i was a very sad kid the last day of the giro <laughs> of course because, yeah yeah i was like and now what do i do <laughs> I, the do, giro? do you know what when i was younger um and watching the the tour of we didn't in in the in the UK we couldn't watch the Giro d'Italia till very recently in the last kind of twenty years. But when I was a kid, growing up, and I, it was the Tour de France that I would watch. And and after the three weeks in July were over, it would my life would be kind of empty, yeah. you know, because I used to the old VHS recorder. I used to record every single stage and then watch them two or three times and study the finishes, read as much as I could. Is it is it fair to say then when you were younger you're a bit of a cycling geek? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, at least I was because I, you were recording the stages, and I, I was like writing down the first three of the stage, the Maglia Rosa, yeah. and then I was always uh, looking for the last one. Uh, so I would go on internet because at those time you could go into some website, and there it was not so like popular. There were no so, social uh, social media and everything so I had to log in and to, to this website looking for the classment and yeah then I was always writing down my my classment and also the last one of the stage and I still have those uh those papers around I think I, was, I, was, I, was, I read somewhere that you have a special notebook that you used to yeah, uh, yeah with- I had I had when I was a kid I had and uh, it was really fun and uh I was really like into the Giro more than the Tour de France, and I. But I was also watching Tour de France, of course. Yeah. But then it was July, and uh, we went to the sea, so yeah, didn't have really much time because I I was busy with sand and uh, and the sea, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, through your career, I mean, a couple of years ago, you, you won your you won a stage of uh, of the women's Giro d'Italia. I mean, um, you know that that must have been. I mean, it wasn't your first win, but to win a race that you'd looked, watched as a kid, you'd um, been kind of feverish about, um, must have been really, really important to you. Yeah, it's been really important to me, actually. I think it was really a, a big emotion to yeah. to be able and to to win a, to win a stage. Um, 
it was it was really nice and I clearly remember the moment when I detached my hands from the handlebar to raise my arms in the in the air. It was really nice, a nice experience and uh I I'm still very thankful to my teammates there because they were riding for me the entire day and they yeah. did for the entire Giro. So I I honestly have yeah, uh, yeah, I have to say just thank you to them. They were they were amazing the the, the full Giro. That's a wonderful one. I mean, what just to sort of back to the kind of present day. I mean, as we just said at the top the top of of our conversation, you're clearly in exceptionally good form. Um, how would you describe yourself as a rider? Because you you are consistent, versatile. Um, how would you describe yourself? Oh, that's really <laughs> hard. <laughs> I mean. I'm a bit of everything, but fast. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm. I love stage races. Um, I think I'm good at them, um, and I'm an endurance rider actually. Yeah. Um, I like climbing, even though I'm not the lightest, the lightest of the peloton, but I still have. Yeah, a good climbing climbing skills. And yeah. I can time trial okay. Um, and then I think I'm one of those badass that never give up. Yeah. yeah, you can clearly see that. I mean, you're ridiculous. I mean, of all the, I mean, it, it's just so wonderful over the last couple of years that we get we're getting to see more and more women's races and 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 parity is at long last happening. There's still work to be done, as we know, but the amount of coverage of women's racing, and, and I watch it when I can, and often have commentated on you, um, and it, you are you are ridiculously aggressive. You clearly love... Is it fair to say that you love suffering and, and making it hard for everybody else? I mean, some of the best riders in the world are kind of fueled by the fact that they're hurting, but they know everybody else is hurting as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm all the time hurting because the others are always like making me to feel a lot of pain so i'm like okay if i'm hurting at least i need to hurt the others because i I don't want to be the only one suffering here so i always try to attack also because yeah uh, aside of this i like when the when the races get spiced up and i i really like a little bit the mess and I I like to be in the in the mix and uh, and to make the race a little bit aggressive. That's my character. Uh, yeah. I'm 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 made like this, and I know that um, yeah, it's better to attack than always staying in the wheel. I don't like sure. people that are always staying in the wheel, and I'm like sure. yeah, I just try and go, and if I don't succeed, at least I tried. So yeah. It's nice to, as much as you can, uh, finish a race with few regrets, isn't it? I mean, every, because racing is so complicated, all, there'll always be, you'll always look back and think, oh, I could have, unless you've won, of course, you'll always look back and say, I could have done that. But ultimately, as long as you are kind of empty, uh, there, there is a physical satisfaction of trying everything you can, isn't there? Yeah, more than a physical satisfaction is like that you want to play your cards uh, the best possible. and. Yeah. When I when I when I know that I played my cards and I couldn't do anything else, then I could 
then I can be satisfied with my result. Sure. Either if it's a victory or a third place or a 20th place. Because yeah. in the end, if I worth 20th, then it's, it is what it is. But at least I played my cards. Of know? course. Of course. Um, oh, there's a funny noise. Um, oh. Can you hear that? Random question alert. Random question alert. Random question alert. It is time well, for I, a I random did, question. I did warn you, Elisa, that there's there could be a few random questions coming in. We have um, the people at Sigma Sport installed a random question generator in my house, and I now have a question for you. I've never seen it before, so are you ready? I, I guess I have to be ready. <laughs> you do have to be ready, I'm afraid. You said you like things to be a little bit chaotic, et cetera, et cetera. So here we go. Right then, this, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. So skydive or bungee jump? Skydive? Skydive. Okay, wow. Okay, okay. Yeah. I would, well, uh, that shows you're quite an adventurous person then. Why, have you ever, uh, have you ever done a skydive? No, and I have I've never bungee jump jumped, but uh, I think uh, it's gonna be it's going yeah to be interesting to try. Yeah, I, I do, do you know what I was watching some skydive. I don't know how just on the internet. I was just scrolling through Instagram like we all do these days, and I saw some skydiving, and I just in my mind I just said no way, just no way. Yeah. <laughs> I just I think, I think it's nice. I I could it could be nice to try out. I mean. You're not there alone. There is always the the instructor there <laughs> guiding you. <laughs> so, I yeah, I, I would I would mind I wouldn't mind trying it. Okay, well, well, that's that's good to know. I mean, maybe yeah. if I do ultimately try, I maybe maybe you could be my coach because you sound very confident. Um, well, I know in, in... I, I'm not I'm not really good in flying to be fair. <laughs> so don't trust me. But maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe it's worth a try. I think. Definitely. Well, that's a good answer and a very good question. So be, be, please do be on standby, Elisa, for any other questions that might come. What I'm going to ask you now is just to, I'm just going to change tact. Um, okay. In 2022, there's a brand new race called the Borghini Classic, and you get to design the parkour. Okay. What does this race look like? Ha. Huh. Uh, <laughs> surely... Uh... It will be a race held in my home area. Okay. Um, so the Longo Borghini Classic would be a 150 kilometers race. Right. A challenging one with one, two, three, four climbs and a top hill finish climb. Okay. The climbs would be like... First, uh, 2.5 kilometers one, steep. Um, okay. <laughs> then uh, you go down, do some kilometers, and then you have a five kilometers climb, like a little bit shallow, and uh, some turns, and then you go down, more roads, up and yeah. down, up and down, and then you have a seven kilometers one wow. with, uh, that goes up in steps. Okay. And then you go down with a technical descent, like, Small roads, yeah. A little bit of cobbles, and okay. then you have the last climb, which is hmm, how long do you reckon? Say 
10 kilometers. 10 kilometers. Wow. From so proper five summit finish. Up, yeah, 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 yeah. From 5 to 8%. Wow. And uh, at the end, it flats down a little bit. And you, have, you can have like a sprint of two or three. It, that's the most detailed. I mean, it, it's almost as if you've designed that race and you're kind of reading me the race manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, also because I'm thinking about the climbs that I have on my in my area. So I'm like thinking about a proper a proper parkour. It does sound very good. I mean, that would be uh, I mean, that does sound like a really cool race. First climb 2.5 drops down bit technical next one five k's so the climbs get harder and harder it does sound like this might be a parkour not just to make everybody else suffer elisa but so you could hopefully win it yeah but i mean it's also a a good a good a good a good start for a breakaway you know so you can have the breakaway of the morning going and then the the main teams will chase it and then the big riders will go in the second last and then they will play the the victory in the last one Oh, I I already planned everything. (laughs) (laughs) You've you've, there was a lot of yeah, a lot of thought. So um, yeah, if I could award points um for the answer to that question, that would be ten out of ten. That was a very very well thought out. I I actually was as you were describing it to me in my notebook here. I've just I've drawn the parkour. (laughs) 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 So yeah, we've got the details there. Maybe I should have a. Uh, when I go to Italy next week, I'll have a word with RCS and see what we can do, uh, unofficially, of course, because uh, that would be a very good race that uh, I'd love to commentate on. i tell you what, though, we're going to do something else now. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, where you live, Ornavasso. This race would be in the region. So how about we do an Ornavasso quiz? The Ornavasso quiz. The Ornavasso quiz. Now it's time. There we go. How about that? Let's go. Let's go. Okay, I've got three questions for you. They're all multiple choice. Okay, so um, I'm uh, no stress at all. So I've did quite a lot of research this morning to get these questions. Okay, so question number one, Elisa. Okay. Okay. What figure is depicted in the centre of the Ornavaso coat of arms? Okay, you know the the kind of symbol for Ornavaso. Yeah, it's a. Um, uh, uh, you call it in English uh, mermaid. No. It is. Yeah. I've, I was. Wow. I was, well, there we go. I was going to offer. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give you an extra bonus question, uh, an extra bonus point, because uh, I was going to say a man with a crown holding a vase. A mermaid with a crown, which you got. Yeah. A mountain goat with a crown, or an owl with a crown. But you would have always guessed the mermaid because you knew it anyway. So congratulations. Thank right. You. <laughs> okay. Right. Question number two. The famous medieval tower in Ornavaso was built in which century? Okay. Was it A, the tenth century, B, the eleventh century, C, the twelfth century? Or D, the 13th century. So it's very, very old. Do you know the tower that I'm talking about? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So when um, do you think it was built? What century? Torre della Guardia. Ah. So uh, 10, 11, 12, or 13? Um, I need to <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Have a little think. Uh, You're doing really well so far. It's a beautiful tower. Yeah, I know. 
um, I would say 13. Oh, it's the 12th century, but you're nearly right, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, that's a good good guess, though. You went yeah. the kind of right side, and only a, only a hundred years out. Yeah, I mean, hundred, <laughs> nothing, no? <laughs> it's not, nothing, not, not when it's 700, 800 years old, so uh, yeah. no worries at all. Okay, the final question on the Ornavaso quiz is this. What bar is on the Via Sergio Bovo? Okay. Um, is it A, the sports bar, mm. B, bar Barra Ananda, mm. C, bar Beba, or D, bar the new mine? So one of those bars. The new mine. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> when we get to the bar questions, even if we are in lockdown, I'm sorry, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> No. Oh, great! Because uh, yeah, there's um, is that a good bar? Have you, you, you have you been in and had a coffee or a drink? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we are in a very small town, and mm. we are part of. We everyone feels like part of the of the community, and sure. uh, so yeah, it's really normal to go into the bar and drink a coffee and have a talk. But you know, now now it's really hard because of, of COVID. Course. But it's it's a common use to do so to go to the bar, have a coffee, like reading the newspaper and have a talk with the people around around you. It's just normal. I, do you know what? Um, when I did, I was on the Giro last year uh, during the lockdown. Obviously, it was in um, October, wasn't it? Finished in November. And um done it a few times. And one of my favorite things is to wake up early. I take my little folding bicycle with me and I go and find a bar in the town Oh, the, and generally in the, in the small towns that we start start in or finish in actually because we have to go to the finish and that's one of my favorite things is sitting with the locals they don't know me I don't know them but it's lovely just to sit there read Gazetta um, and have a coffee it's one of the most my favorite things I think about the whole Giro is my morning coffee in a in a new bar yeah I, I can understand you because it's really really nice for me too like I normally in normal times when there, uh, there's no COVID. I maybe go with my mom to drink a coffee, or read a little bit, read a bit the newspaper, the Gazetta, and then have a talk with the uh, with all the people from from the town. It's just normal for us Italians to socialize this way. Yeah, and it's something that I really miss when I'm abroad. Uh, the social life in the small towns is really like it's felt, yeah. and uh, you f- you feel part of the community. Like for me, it's normal to know also. Which is the main figure on the on our uh, on our flag, you know? On yeah, our, of course, yeah. Because it's, it's our town, and I'm I'm very I'm very angry that I didn't get the the year of the of the tower, the medieval <laughs> tower, tower, because I feel a little bit that I don't know enough my my town now. It's it's I I, I was uh, the. The Wikipedia page there's not a lot on there, but your your town and your commune has a really good website. And I was yeah. looking at it, and I was learning a lot. There's a lot of archaeology in in uh, in your town as well. There's some some very old graves. There's um, obviously some fortifications from World War One. There's so much so much yeah. history in Ornavaso. It's amazing. Yeah, but I think it's something that you can find in um, almost every small 
town in uh, in Italy. We I have, think you're right. have yeah, every you're right. town has as history or art or archaeology, and um, this is this is something particularly related to Italy. And uh, it's not only my town, but it's mostly every single town you go to, you find something historical or connected to art and archaeology. It's right. It is. It is culturally such a rich country, and I think that's why it's so special in in, in so many different ways. I mean, I mean, as we, as we're talking about culture and art and other things, what do you what do you like to do to relax, Elisa? Outside of cycling, you clearly sport is in your blood. Skiing as well, I know. But what else um, are you interested in doing to, to relax? I think I'm just a, a normal person. I like all our regular, all the other regular ones. I don't have any. Anything interesting to to say? To be honest, I like art as as you could probably understood. Uh, yeah. So and I like reading. So I would go for a book uh, or maybe to the bookstore uh, or to a museum with some friends. Okay. Or like I would just have a coffee with my friends and go for a stroll. And I also really like mountains, and right. I go. Uh, especially in the off season, uh, I go hiking in the mountains and I stay maybe like a few days there uh, because we have a house in the mountains and then from there you can start and do hikes. So, yeah, I this is mainly what I do. I'm, I don't do anything special. I'm just. I think that's pretty special. I mean, you know, living where you are and appreciating nature and culture. I mean, that's that that's special. That that's that's pretty cool. Because uh, if again, if anybody's listening. And thinking, okay, where's Ornavaso? Please look look it up and have a look. And if you can visit the Piedmont region, it's absolutely a stunning. Um, okay, quick question here: um, What's the last movie that made you cry? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll, I'll I, then tell you mine afterwards. I walk to remember. All right. Okay. Who's in? Who's? When did you see that? Oh, I I think I've seen it many many times. Like, okay, uh, it's one of the of my favorite movies, and uh, right. yeah, I think it's just a really emotional. Right. Okay. Are you quite an emotional person then? I'm definitely not a crier. Right. Uh, I I am. You see, I I cry at lots of films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've. I, I have emotions as everybody of and uh, yeah. yeah it's hard sometimes to to make yeah to make them clear I don't yeah. know yeah uh, but I yeah I think inside I feel a lot definitely well my just to give you um, the film that made me cry it was Rocket Man <laughs> you know the the Elton John film yeah. <laughs> That's quite emotional. I think yeah. it's just the, the combination of of a there's a really emotional scene. Um, I can't remember what it was, but then the music over the top just just made me me cry. I don't know. Uh, just, yeah, uh, I can imagine. Yeah, I understand yeah. you. Thank you, thank you very much indeed. Okay, but back to back to cycling for a bit. Um, of all of your wins, uh, and you've you've obviously had some pretty big ones. Which, which has been the one that you remember the most, and you're the most proud of? Good question. Um, I I remember my first uh, big victory that was a uh, Trofeo Binda in twenty twenty thirteen. Yep. Um, yeah, as 
as a young cyclist, like yeah, I felt I felt really proud, and I still feel like the emotions that were going through my through my head and my heart. Um, but then I was really really proud about my Trofeo Binda in 2021 because then I could actually win with my tricolore jersey on my shoulders, yeah. and it was it was really nice. I could really enjoy it, and I could really feel feel for my country too um because we've been through many many problems this yeah. past year course, and uh, yeah. we've been like through the lockdown in march 2020 and it's been a quite an experience and i i was like really sad to see my country so devastated by covid mm. uh i still have in my mind my those 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 army trucks bringing yeah. bringing people away from bergamo yeah and i yeah for me it's, it was really emotional and i and i yeah i just when i'm wearing my italian jersey i still yeah i say i I honestly think about all those people that are suffering and yeah, I think as an athlete, you also have the duty to make people happy or to give emotions to people. And I think now most, most, most of everything we, we have to more, more than ever. And I, I hope I, I gave some emotions to, to the Italians winning being in my with the tricolore it's it's it, i think it, it's you really you know put that well um and obviously it was very personal to you but uh well firstly it's a, you know one of the biggest italian races you'd won it before as you said and to win in the style that you did i mean you won by nearly two minutes in front of mariana Vos. you know so there's the there's the racing side the sporting side but then as you say to, to wear the the national champions jersey um and to to try and bring a little bit of positivity to the country um, is the responsibility of certain people in life, and 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 for you to kind of recognise that and do that, it must have been a you know a, a wonderful feeling, but a you know um, bittersweet at the same time. Um, but uh, I, I guess that is going to be a memory that's going to live long in your life because I think it's often forgotten that that um, people in sport and in entertainment, if you're a high profile figure, especially yourself, you know, riding around, you're one of the most high, high profile riders in the world. But to to win in the fashion that you won is massively important, and hopefully made a few people smile and maybe just remember that there are good times ahead, you know, uh, although it's been a very, very difficult time for your nation. Yeah, you described really well what I wanted to explain. Um, I mean, as as athletes, we, we don't do anything special to the society. Mm. And I think one of our duty is to entertain people and to create emotions Um, and I I did realize it in the lockdown and uh, when I was on my rollers I was just thinking about that when I would have been on the road I would leave everything that I had every uh, on every race because I think people deserve spectacle and they deserve a little bit of show and they deserve like some some good time so I'm also really happy that now many races are like fully streamed um yeah. for instance milan saremo was and 
the people could could uh, could have the entertainment because that's what what we are what we are asked to do to yeah. entertain people also and it's it's not only our performance but it's also the show that we put on that it, that means at at least when i'm on the road i want to yeah i want to to give some some emotion to the to people and yeah i, I feel like it's yeah it's nice to it's nice to do so yeah it's uh, no you are correct i mean we might remember i mean when when you look back when i look back as you know somebody that's a little bit older and i look back at some of the the moments in sport um that made me want to be an athlete but also made me feel good about myself um you know that they, they are generally through through sport you know and um you can inspire and you can inspire young people as well i mean um and um the way you carry yourself, although, like you said, and, and I know you said it a few times, you don't win very often. But when you you win, you win big. But what you can always say about your legacy, although there's for sure you're going to be riding for a, a, a lot more, a lot longer yet. Um, you are one, one of the riders that certainly puts on a show, and you make races memorable. And um, and that's what people. That's why people love the sport. It's for the characters who animate the races, who make us want to cheer you on. And also for the for young riders looking looking on, I want to be like her. I want to be like him. You know, I want to be me, but I, look at how cool that is. That's, that's, I mean, I, I get emotional talking about this sort of thing. I'm, I'm very, very passionate about it, but it's important sometimes to t- take a gamble, take a risk and, and, and ride um, in, in, in a way that excites people. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think I think it's nice, and I think also, um, as I said, we have the duty to put on a good show, and uh, it's not only for us, but for the people that are looking uh, that are looking for us, and also I think the figure of the athlete is like a um, um, a vehicle of values, and um, yes, yeah, I. I I'd, I'd like to be an example for yeah the young generation maybe that there is that the sport can actually give you a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities to meet people around the world to travel the world um to to discover yourself because as an athlete you need to know yourself very well you need to look inside yourself and find out what's the best for you training for your mindset for for everything and then you learn the that for achieving results you need to sacrifice and you need to you need to to invest in yourself to to get results to get yeah. at that level and uh, you need some um yeah some rules to follow and also some I, how can i say um some discipline uh, sure. to to achieve results and to to be good yeah no de- no definitely it, it's it's definitely uh, a kind of sort of an ideology to that's good to uh, impress on, on on other people in the way they conduct themselves i mean i mean um what is really important what we haven't talked about um and i'd like to ask you i mean this is year three um in trek Siegfredo, a team that you're clearly very very happy with you've got some wonderful teammates very successful squad what do you think makes um trek siegfriedo so special and and why and why are you so happy there because every team's different has a different kind of environment but um talk to me about how special the the team is 
My team is really special because as first we are not considered only as writers but also as human beings. Yeah. And um that's what makes a difference in a team. And um and then uh I think we have very good uh, a very good uh, management and a very good uh, sport director uh, 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 part of the team. Yeah. Uh, Ina and Georgia are um, like the moon and the sun as character because they are really different, but both of them can take out the be- the really best of us. And um, like teammates wise, we have so many different characters that go really well along and that can adapt to the others very well. And I'm just surrounded by strong women, strong riders. Like, I think every one of them is a true champion. Yeah. And I have inspiration from every one of them. And we we build up our, our team as a unity. And uh, it's really, really nice. Like, I mean, we are just happy together. We work really well together and uh, we, yeah, there is harmony. And uh, this is thanks to the, to the staff, all the, surround, the surrounding that we have in Trexigafredo. And also a very important aspect is that we are not considered as women, but we are considered as human beings like in sure. in our team there is no men and no women we are just we are the riders all together and we are a team it's a it's a lovely it's a it's an it's important isn't it i mean it's um for far too long um it that hasn't been the case but it, it's wonderful to see uh and and, and also uh the the, the flavor of trek sigafredo and also it's, it's quite fair to say that increasingly the both the men's and the women's peloton, the teams are really international and there's a wonderful international flavor in your team, isn't there? Which So it's from a cultural perspective, there's a wonderful, exciting mix, isn't there? Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's something that I really like from my team. We have so many nationalities and it's it's really nice to, to melt with all the nationalities. And yeah. uh, so it's just, it, it's just nice because I can, I can have some insight of, every every single nation and uh, sometimes we end up talking at the table about uh the social uh, i don't know the social um environment in uh, england or like the politics in uh, america or it's yeah. just nice uh, yeah. and i i like to to know about all these countries and all the culture or the the problems the the like the strength of the country it's it's nice. You can learn a lot being an athlete about the other about the other countries, and it's something that I really love to. No, I, I agree with you. In the teams I've you know raced with in the past, it's, I, I always find it very interesting to speak to other riders, and also you know it's the the ability to learn other languages. I mean, uh, you know, English isn't your obviously you're Italian, but your English is exceptionally good, and and again, it's a more it's quite a broad thing that um, I mean, English is is a language that's spoken throughout the peloton now, but to, to learn multiple languages, I think, as well as the ability to meet people, travel the world, um, find out about yourself. But language to me is is very important. And I do love the fact that um, I can speak to riders of all different nationalities. And generally, most pros speak at least two languages. I think that's one of that's wonderful too, isn't it? Yeah, it is wonderful. And I'm really also really passionate about languages, to be fair. And I 
I don't know, I I pick up languages very easily and I can understand quite a lot of languages. Then uh, speaking is another pair of shoes uh, <laughs> because uh, it's all, always the, the next the next level. You know, you can pick up a lot of languages, but then when you when you start speaking is like reaching the next level of course um but yeah absolutely i agree with you it's really nice to to travel the world and to be involved in cycling because then you get to know so many nationalities you get to speak to many different people coming from another con from other countries and maybe from pretty remote countries like i don't know for me remote is already i don't know colombia yeah, of course, I feel yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, it's really, really far away. So, yeah, it it just really interesting. No, it certainly is. I mean, I've, we, we're coming to to towards the the end of the podcast now. There's a couple more questions that I'd like to ask you. Um, the first one is this: um, if you if you could go back in time uh, and meet your nine year old self, what would you say? Um, I would say train more the sprints because you can win a lot by sprinting. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be saying something similar. I was, yeah, useless at sprinting, but uh, yeah, it's uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, what is your, oh, have you ever been late for a race? And uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, also because I'm always the first one that is ready to race, uh, and uh, I'm pretty famous. Let's say, let's say so in the team because, like, an hour and a half before the race, I wear my chamois and I walk around the bus, and all the others are like still like with the regular clothing on, and they are like, Elisa, please come on, it's an hour and a half to the start, we are ready with your chamois, and then. When it's like an hour to the race, I already wear my helmet. So I kind of stress out all the others, but I'm not stressed at all. I, I'm just really ready and eager to race. So, yeah. wow. <laughs> But they are all making fun of me. Oh, well, it's, I mean, every, that's the thing. Um, you know, we all have our own way of preparing for a race, um, especially on, on the run-in. So you, you've just got to own it. And uh, that, although that is also very funny. Um, many, many years ago, I was racing in England and I went to pick up somebody um one of my the guys that I was racing in another team to drive to the race and we had a one hour drive to the race and we normally get there an hour and a half before anyway he came out of his house with his bicycle and he had his helmet on and he got in the car and he had his helmet on for the whole journey uh that was and he had his cycling gloves on as well that I hear the, him I thought <laughs> I could hear him what's the problem <laughs> That was that was weird. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, that, that is indeed weird. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'm now exaggerating yeah. for sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, a, a couple more. One couple more questions about your teammates. Okay. This is going. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who is the most untidy of all of your teammates to share a room with? I know over the last couple of years you haven't really done a lot of room sharing because of COVID. But from your experience, well, actually, yeah. in your career, in your career, who has been the untidiest and the tidiest teammate letitia paternoster is the untidiest at all like, is she that was, you, that was that was that was very emphatic that was straight away <laughs> yeah and the tidiest is audrey okay yeah right okay 
Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, that was. And then no, no, uh, no ambiguity uh, at all there. Uh, I tell you what, we're going to do um, just to wrap things up. This has been such a lovely chat, um, especially considering we haven't spoken before. I've really, really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit, and um, and hopefully everybody will um, will enjoy um, what we've what our conversations have been about. But I think it's time. Uh, I'm going to press the button on the random question generator, and uh, let's see what it fires up for us. Random question alert. Random question alert. It is time for a random question. Okay. The final, the final question from the random question generator. Okay, here we go. Um, what are you proud of? Okay, but never have an excuse to talk about. So what's something that you really are really proud of in your life, but nobody ever asks you, basically? <laughs> <laughs> what is this for a question i know it's random i'm sorry it's random but you know it's just uh this is what uh, I, I have to do i can milk a cow you can <laughs> you can you can yeah, milk a cow of course i can yeah and, and, and like you say that's not something that you would ordinarily say um on the team bus or in a normal interview with with a, a website or something, is it? It's just you can milk a cow. Wow! When was the first time you milked a cow? If you don't mind me asking, five or six. When so, five you, or did, six. were you living on a farm or something like that, or a farmstead? Yeah, my my grand my grandpa had the farm, and still my mom's uh, family as um as a farm, and my dad as the hobby of agriculture. Okay, and uh, so we have fields and we have also uh, four cows so uh, yeah i can milk a cow very easily there we go so that is um one fact that i don't think anybody knew of in the world of cycling at least longer borghini <laughs> actually in commentary um when you're bro- when you're broken away and you're heading towards your next victory um i'll tell my colleagues to mention that uh, she not only can ride a bike super fast but she can also milk a cow Wonderful stuff. That's good to know. Oh, Elise, it's been really, really wonderful talking to you. Um, what's next on the menu from a race perspective? I know you're having a little bit of a break before racing commences, but what's what's next for you? So, yeah, I'm having a little bit of a break now, but um, uh, the next races are um, in the middle of May. I will do Vuelta Navarra, GPA bar, uh, Durango and then Vuelta Burgos. Fantastic stuff. Well, best of luck in those races, and of course, defending your your the lead in the women's world tour. Um, and thanks once more for giving us the time um, to to chat. I think people are going to love it. It's just been a, a really, really lovely conversation. Take care of yourself, and thanks again. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. I really did love chatting with Elisa and hope she continues to have a fantastic season. Hopefully, I'll catch her for a coffee at the Juro, which might have already happened now, especially if you're listening to this in 2023. So maybe scroll all the way back on my social media to find out. Thanks to Perry at Gwyneth for the podcast theme tune and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe and rate the pod and why not recommend it to your cycling buddies or to a cow if you see one being milked by a hobby agriculturalist in the Ornavasso commune in the province of Verbano Cusio Asola in the Italian Piedmont region, who also happens to be Elisa's dad. Finally, a massive thanks again to Elisa for joining us on the podcast today and sharing her positive attitude with us. Cheers all, stay safe, bye-bye, and take care. Arrivederci. <laughs> <laughs>